The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. I'm Brian Sullivan, and you're listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. Our show airs live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern. Listen in. It is 5 a.m. at CNBC, and here is your top five at five. No Tuesday turnaround on tap. The selling sticking around. Tech taking the biggest hit. NASDAQ futures down nearly 200. America's most important oil and gas pipeline moving closer to restarting service. The White House eyes additional steps, but some gas stations now reporting they are starting to run dry. Full team coverage ahead. More milestones in the pandemic fight. COVID cases crashing all over the country. Texas, Florida, California, all down more than 80% in just a few months. The FDA gives the green light for the Pfizer vaccine in younger Americans. Amid that development, one major financial firm telling its workers, it's time, time to head back. To the office. And can you spare a few bucks? Well, you may need to to pay for this year's big summer barbecue because pork prices have gone hog wild. We'll tell you how much on this Tuesday, May 11th, and this is Worldwide Exchange. Well, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, and welcome from wherever in the world you may be watching. I'm Brian Sullivan. Thanks for joining us on what is turning out to be a very busy Tuesday morning. Get some coffee, get on the treadmill, pay attention. There's a lot going on. All right, here's how your money in the global markets are setting up their day, and it is not looking pretty if you're hoping for some kind of a turnaround for big technology or other parts of the market that got whacked yesterday. Futures, they are off significantly. NASDAQ futures, again the story, down 156 points right now. They're down the exact same, even one point more than the Dow futures. Remember, on a smaller index, that is a bigger move. Focus on big tech. It is the biggest percentage of the overall markets. So its moves, including names like Apple and others, and we'll get to in a second, have an outsized effect on everything else. Big tech starting the week, weekly, the NASDAQ down 2.5% yesterday. If you weren't watching the markets yesterday or CNBC You should have been because things got hit. Apple down more than 2%. Look at that, 2.6% drop Monday. Amazon, 3%. Facebook, 4%. And Tesla, down 6%. Now, that weighed on Kathy Wood's ARK Innovation ETF. A lot of those names are in that, particularly Tesla. And that ARK ETF, a widely watched sort of proxy for tech, now to its lowest level since last November, down 3.5% in the extended hours trading. Cloud computing stocks, red hot in 2020, well, they're not being spared either. The Wisdom Tree Cloud Computing Fund, down nearly 2.5%. It's now at its lowest level in six months and down seven of the past eight sessions. WCLD, something else to watch. Now, the selling, not just here. It was around the world as well. Japan getting absolutely slammed. The Nikkei, down more than 3% overnight, one of its biggest drops in months. Hang Seng in Hong Kong, down 2%. And a similar story right now in early European trading. All the major averages are falling on this Tuesday. 
down around 2%. Look at that map. Well, if you're on the radio, it's a map of Europe, and everything's in the red. You can see every single major index, literally every single one, is down. We're going to get more of the markets in your money in moments. But right now, we've got to give you the very latest on that evolving colonial pipeline story. And as of last night, there was a bit of a sigh of relief on the planned restarting of the pipeline. But it is still tense and a troublesome situation. And now some gas stations are reporting that they are sold out of gasoline. Now, all this, even as Colonial says, it hopes to restart the full pipeline soon. But there is still a lot that we do not know. For example, Colonial says its goal is to, quote, substantially restore operational service by the end of the week. Okay. But how much restoration of service would be considered substantial? Is the end of the week in a few days or late Saturday night? It's a big difference. And can it even reopen on that timeline? Remember, it's not a guarantee. It's a desire. Days or even hours can matter a whole lot. Because remember, the Colonial provides nearly half of all fuel to much of the East Coast and Southeast, 14 states, jet fuel to at least seven major commercial airports. The critical question is if current inventories of gas, diesel, and other fuels will be enough the longer that big parts of the pipeline still remain offline. Demand is booming. More cars and trucks are on the highway. And if inventories get drawn down too much in the next today, tomorrow, Thursday, whatever, gasoline prices could surge. But that's if you have gasoline to sell. Because GasBuddy is now reporting that some gas stations across the country, particularly in the southeast, are telling them that they are already out of fuel. Look at that. Patrick DeHaan of GasBuddy tweeting at about midnight last night that a number of southern states saying they are out of some or all grades of gasoline. Virginia, the hardest hit with as of about midnight last night, about 7% of Virginia gas stations say they are out of some grade of gasoline. North Carolina and Georgia also hard hit. Smaller numbers in some states. But remember, we're only on Tuesday. That's why it's critical this pipeline get back up and running. Now, we're also watching diesel and another angle to our continued inflation story because diesel fuel prices are also on the rise. In fact, emergency diesel supplies are being trucked in from other parts of America to ease any supply shortages. The prices could rise even further, adding to another headache and hit to the wallet for both shippers and shoppers. And as of late last night, American Airlines announcing it has added a stop to two long-haul flights out of Charlotte, North Carolina, because of a fuel supply shortage from the pipeline shutdown. American is the first U.S. airline to report an impact from the cyber attack on the Colonial, says it expects to return to its original schedule by weekend. Remember, they're making that additional stop so they can fill up fuel in areas that have it and maybe actually offload the fuel into areas like a Charlotte that may be short. There's a lot of developing angles here to this Colonial Pipeline story. It is far from over, and we'll have them for you all morning here on CNBC. Right now, though, to some of this morning's other top stories, including a major development in the pandemic fight. Frank Holland has that and much more. Good morning, Frank. 
Hey, good morning to you, Brian. The FDA has approved Pfizer and BioNTech's request to allow their COVID vaccine to be administered to kids 12 to 15 years old on an emergency use basis. That two-dose vaccine is already authorized for people 16 and older. The CDC's Vaccine Advisory Committee is set to meet tomorrow to review those shots for kids. If approved, that shot could begin to be administered as soon as this week. The move would help get states, middle school students vaccinated before school resumes in the fall. Amid that development, Blackstone Group is reportedly asking its U.S.-based investment professionals to return to the office full-time starting on June 7th. This according to Bloomberg, which says the move hinges on whether those workers are fully vaccinated. The move is the latest by a financial firm, as an increasing number of companies are looking to transition workers from their remote setups. And Apple is being accused of breaking a competition law in the U.K., According to reports, the tech giant is facing a lawsuit over claims of overcharging nearly 20 million users there for apps. The suit is calling for the company to compensate those users. Apple describing the legal action as meritless. Brian, back over to you. All right, a lot of stories there. And Frank Holland, we'll see you in a few minutes, my friend. Thank you very much. All right, now we got to get back to the markets and your money. Your next guest says that as more fears over inflation rear their heads, it is more likely that gross stocks, particularly big tech, will take a big hit. But there is some money to be had and made in some parts of the market. Dory Wiley is the CEO of Commerce Street Capital, and he joins us now. And Dory, that is certainly what we are seeing. NASDAQ down 2% plus yesterday. Apple down 2.5%. One day does not a trend make. I get it. But... NASDAQ futures are down 150 points right now. Do you think we will continue to see more selling in big cap technology stocks? Good morning, Brian. Uh, Yes, I certainly think that's a fear. I woke up yesterday morning with this theme thinking at some point these inflation fears are going to cause some rotation out of growth stocks, which are longer duration plays in earnings, uh, tech stocks and more into value stocks. And uh, sure enough, by the afternoon, that started to happen. So uh, I think we could certainly see a lot more of that as, as we see uh, inflation, share, inflation fears continue to rise. How much of this, if at all, Dory, do you think is related to capital gains potential increases? Now, we're not going to blame it all on taxes, but we talked about it yesterday because if you are sitting on years of winning stocks, and you're thinking about selling for whatever reason, you know you're going to get hit with capital gains. But you're looking at rates now versus potentially higher rates later. So I've got to imagine, and this was actually from a tax expert we had on yesterday, and Robert Frank talked about it, which is that you're going to sell the big winners now so you can buy other things because you simply don't want to get whacked in capital gains down the road. Or is that kind of a, a red herring and just an easy tax target, if you will, Dory? Well, it certainly plays into your thinking or maybe confirms on our, uh, a thought or position that you already have. So you're, if you're thinking, maybe I need to sell, uh, and then, boom, you know, the tax aspect is added on to it. But I, I don't think this is a, uh, uh, a tax-driven uh, type sell-off. All right. So let's say we know there is some selling, whatever the cause, Apple, Amazon, Tesla being sold, money is being raised. You think some of that money should or could go into smaller community banks. Why? Well, we've already seen banks uh, drive up off the lows after they've proven the street wrong on uh, all the fears that they had last year. Banks are strong with PPP, loaded with liquidity, uh, plenty of record high levels of capital. 
But the rotation in the bank starts at the large money center banks and has moved down. And it hasn't moved down to all the community banks or regional banks yet. So uh, stocks like Comerica, which do really well in rising rates, are still trading at a discount to other banks. The banks as a sector are trading at maybe 65% of the S&P PE ratio. Uh, Banner is a good community bank, a larger regional bank. Uh, North Rim up in Alaska, all of those trade at discounts to other banks and pop in just around a 3% average yield on all of them. So it's a nice place to hang out in the banking sector. All right, big tech down. Maybe look at some of these. I mean, I don't think we've ever had a, an Alaska bank recommended on Worldwide Exchange or maybe any CNBC show for that matter. But that's why we like you, Dory Wiley, coming up with some unusual names. North Rim Bank up there in Alaska. Maybe we need a road trip. Dory, thank you very much. Have a great day. All right, a lot more to do on this busy Tuesday. When we come back, your morning's big money movers, including one space company whose stock is coming back to Earth a bit. Plus, are there signs of shopper euphoria? What America's biggest mall owner is saying about consumers coming back? And your morning RBI and the staggering amount of money that American companies are making. How much are they making? Well, the answer is a lot your RBI. It's coming up. Dow Futures down 101. We're back right after this. What does it mean to be rich? Maybe it's less about reaching a magic number and more about discovering the magic in life. At Edward Jones, our dedicated financial advisors are the people you can count on for financial strategies that help support a life you love. Because the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Learn more about our comprehensive approach to planning at edwardjones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. Want to make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30. Welcome back. Time now for some of your big money movers. Three stock stories that you've got to know about on this Tuesday morning. Let us go. Stock number one, Roblox. First quarter revenue more than double users flocking to the video game platform, They also spent more money, or Robux, to buy in-game items like pets and costumes. Real money for your avatar. Stock number two, Callaway Golf. Apparently not everyone is sitting around playing video games. Apparently some of you are also golfing. Callaway jumping after blowing away earnings. Callaway says demand has been unprecedented amid the pandemic. One of the few things you could do in the Northeast for months last year. And stock three, Virgin Galactic. Shares are coming down to earth. This after the space travel company posted a bigger-than-expected first-quarter loss and did not report any revenue. Says it will give an update next week on resuming suborbital test flights after a recent wear and tear issue led to another pause in the schedule. There are your big money movers on a Tuesday. All right on deck. More in the markets, your money, and it's moving because futures are saying right now the selling may continue. And lots of selling in Novavax right now. It is slammed down 11.5% as it says there are big new hurdles in getting out its COVID vaccine. More right after this. 
today's big number, 60.9%. That's the jump in the average price of a gallon of gas compared to last year, according to AAA. Analysts expect the price at the pump to continue to climb higher, with the largest pipeline in the U.S. shut down. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. All right, welcome back. Look at some of those losses there, Tesla and others. All right. Well, do you think there is no real inflation? Well, if you do, maybe you haven't gone to the store and shop lately, particularly for pork or other meats, because that market has gone hog wild. And that summer barbecue that you're looking forward to, it's going to cost you a lot more cash. Your next guest is an expert on the industry. Chloe Krimmel is a market reporter, an analyst for Erner Berry, a business publisher that specializes in reporting on the food industry, and she joins us now. Chloe, thanks for coming on. Uh, yesterday, we talked about lumber prices, you know, and I said, there's no yeah. market hotter than lumber and it's soared. And then we looked at pork, and I thought, we might actually need to issue a correction because I think the pork market may be up more than lumber. Has it doubled this year or close to it? Uh, thanks for having me. It has definitely gone up. It depends on what area you're really looking at. And there are a lot of factors to go into it. Cash hogs have gone up over 100%. But looking at specific cuts as we come into the summer season, spare ribs, St. Louis ribs, back ribs, they've gone up around 40 to 70% up. Um, and this, this is really attributed to a lot of labor issues that we're seeing in the market. Increased trucking costs, package costs, uh, port backups, as you've talked about previously, and, um, you know, a, a lot of the other issues surrounding uh, just manufacturing processing in general. Yeah, because especially at the beginning of the pandemic, Chloe, we talked about how some of the hardest hit parts of America from a COVID perspective were the meatpacking plants. These are hard yeah. jobs. They are obviously they can't be done remotely. They are close quarters. Uh, maybe some are not the most sanitary conditions, certainly. And I'm trying to be polite there because it's 5.15 yeah. in the morning. And yeah. is it, you, it, it just hard for the industry to find people willing to it work is. and maybe for good reason. Yeah, I can understand. I mean, there are a, a bunch of companies out there trying to do incentives, which I think you see in a lot of other industries. You'll see a lot of retail areas and food service sectors trying to pull in other employees with bonuses and incentives. And that's definitely happening in the meatpacking and processing, further processing industries as well. Uh, last year, we saw a lot of depletion in, in the May-April area with the closures. And during that time, the labor has really affected the market. Uh, we haven't been able to get the cold storage back up to where it really should be. So that's definitely helping the inflated prices in the market. Uh, it definitely, in, in a lot, you know, the freezer demand as well has been strong. So bringing in, uh, you know, other items has been difficult. 
And so, you know, the guy from Lumber that we talked about yesterday, Chloe, he said there's no shortage of trees. He goes, we're swimming in trees down where he was in the south. He said there's trees yeah. everywhere. It's every other step. It sounds like this is the same problem. I don't want people to get worried. There's plenty of pigs around, apparently, right? It's just there's not a lot of people to process the pigs, he said, as he picked peppers in the patch, and then put them yeah. on a truck and get them to where they go. <laughs> it is the, for lack of a better term, pork supply chain that where all the problems are, correct? It's not in that specific area. There, we are seeing some limited hogs in the market, um, and that's due to some of the issues that we saw in COVID in the start of the, the pandemic, you know, with uh, diminished demand we pushed through. They they did some, you know, calling, things like that, because there wasn't enough uh, demand to push them through. So right now we're seeing some limited supplies in some areas. But as you said, yeah, definitely, it's it's really trying to get it through as quick as possible. And there are new regulations, the six foot, having everybody spaced out. You know, there takes a lot more time to get through, less laborers. Yeah. Uh, it's really making it difficult to get everything through as quickly as possible. And we're showing a price of corn and people say, well, you know, why are you showing corn? Well, you know, I'm not yeah. a big farmer, but I do know this. Corn is feedstock. You want to feed a yeah. lot of your animals? You got to feed them either that or sort of byproducts from rendering companies, an industry my father was in, by the way, for almost 30 years. So feed inputs are high. I got to imagine, yeah. is this creeping through to, to every animal? I mean, is, oh, of course. you know, beef as well? Yeah, I know beef is seeing a lot of high prices, especially in the loin and rib components similar to pork, similar to veal, lamb. And other proteins as well. I mean, the feed cost really covers the whole range of the agricultural animal sector. I mean, it takes more to feed. It takes more to to get them through. Uh, you know, it, it prices increase as you go down the line. Wow. Watching that industry, also watching the, uh, the, the burgeoning fake meat industry. This might be their time in the market. Yeah. Chloe Cremel, we appreciate you coming on. It's going to be an expensive summer for a lot of reasons. Chloe, have a great day. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Have a good one. Oh, you're very welcome. All right. It's a serious story, folks. Prices up everywhere. All right. Still on deck. The latest in the big criminal hack of the colonial, the president making moves. Eamon Javers is here with what we know, what we still don't, and some of the next steps. By the way, if you haven't already, subscribe to our podcast, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, other podcasting platforms. And it's a big day here on CNBC. It's our Healthy Returns event. Look at how companies are addressing the pandemic. You can still register at cnbcevents.com slash healthy returns. Market's not looking so healthy. Dow futures down 115, NASDAQ the same. We're back after this. All right, good Tuesday morning. Welcome or welcome back, everybody. I am Brian Sullivan. There is a lot to get to right now because we are seeing markets continuously in the red from yesterday's sell-off. Let's jump right into the future, shall we? Because stocks kicking off the week with losses yesterday, the Dow and S&P coming off record highs. Tech got battered again. The Nasdaq down 2.5%, and that selling looks like it may continue right now. Nasdaq futures are down 30 points more than Dow futures. Remember, again, like I said earlier, smaller index, <clears throat> excuse me, said, <clears throat> good grief. It's early. I'm going to take a sip of coffee because my voice is kicking off. <clears throat> I'm a human being. There we go. 
Long day yesterday. All right, let's start over. NASDAQ futures down 161, Dow futures down 130. There we go. We are seeing tech stocks look like they might continue to sell off today. We've also got to take a look at some of the cryptos because we are seeing selling there as well this morning. It is not just technology. Look at that. Bitcoin is down, not as much as it was. Ethereum, which had been the hottest market above 4,000 yesterday, it is no longer. It is down over 1%, 39.42 as well. Dogecoin, though, if, you're, if that's your good news, Dogecoin is up 12.5%, trying to rebound from the Saturday night live, Saturday night hit to Dogecoin. All right, let's save the show and get to more of your morning's top stories. Frank Collins is back now with those. And Frank, feel free to take your time because I'm going to chug a glass of water. Yeah, Brian, get some coffee, get some water. I'm going to take over just for like one minute and I'll throw it right back to you. Um, We're going to start with some Tesla news. The NTSB has released its preliminary report on that fatal crash involving a Tesla in Texas last month. The agency saying it has not yet concluded what caused the crash or whether the driver misused advanced driver assistance features on the 2019 Tesla Model S. The report adds that in testing on that same stretch of road where the crash happened, the NTSB did find it was unable to engage one feature of the autopilot system known as auto steer, which helps the car stay centered within a lane. Tesla CEO Elon Musk has disputed that the car's autopilot system could have caused the fatal crash. Shares of Novavax facing steep losses this morning after the company announced it's delaying plans to seek regulatory clearances for its COVID-19 vaccine. The company saying shortages in raw materials are slowing the ramp up in production of doses. Novavax has previously expected to complete requests for regulatory authorizations in the U.S., U.K. and other European countries by the end of next month, now pushing that timeline to the end of September. And the CEO of America's biggest mall owner, Simon Property Group, says he's seeing signs of, quote, shopper euphoria among customers. David Simon offering that outlook during an earnings call yesterday. Simon adding that while sales and shopper visits are improving week over week, it's still difficult to know what's going to stick versus what is a short term boost. Brian, back over to you. Well, listen, real estate folks and retail folks, they tend to be the most wildly bullish and optimistic when it suits them as well. I wonder, Frank, when's the last time you were at a mall? I've not been inside of a mall for Brian, a long time. I haven't been to any other mall than an outlet mall because I, 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 I like to buy my sneakers at the Nike outlet. But other than that, I agree with you. I don't really go into a traditional mall. Yeah, and it's not because of COVID for me either. It's just I, there's, I guess I'm too old. Frank yeah. Collin, we'll see you in a few minutes. Thank also, you for I have the internet, saving Brian. the show. It's Frank. easier. <laughs> the internet. That's it. Frank, thank you for saving the show and my voice. <laughs> Appreciate it, my friend. <laughs> Take care. All right. Now to the latest on the Colonial Pipeline ransomware attack. President Biden vowing that his administration is ready to take additional steps as the energy sector grapples with the fallout. The pipeline provides nearly half of all fuel to much of the east and southeast, serving 14 states and jet fuel to seven major commercial airports. And we are now beginning to see the impact of the Colonial's closure. Patrick DeHaan of Gas Buddy reporting last night at many states or stations in many states are telling him that they are out of some or all grades of gasoline. According to Gas Buddy, the hardest hit right now, Virginia, where nearly 7% of stations say they have no gas to sell in some or all grades, followed by North Carolina, Florida, and Georgia. And thanks to our citizen reporters, we just got this in on Twitter from viewer Robar. Robar, thank you. 
He tweeted us a picture from a pump in Knoxville, Tennessee, arguably yesterday. It shows that with the exception of the cheap gas, the other two, 89 and 93 octane, are either out of order or likely sold out. No doubt we will see more of that in the hours and days ahead. Eamon Javers joining us now with more still on what we don't know and what we do know about the hack that led to this whole situation. And Eamon, I mean, uh, we were both on the Shep show last night and I was listening to your reports. It's fascinating because it sounded like from your reporting and what Darkseid was saying, it almost sounded like the hackers were semi-apologizing. I wonder if they realized the magnitude and scale of what they have done. Yeah, Brian, fascinating and bizarre moment yesterday where we had this massive hack. And you have just talked about all the disruption up and down the East Coast and particularly with gasoline supplies at the pump. And now you have this statement put out from the hackers themselves. It's a group called Dark Side. And they posted this on the dark web. And they said, you know, in effect, uh, we feel bad about, you know, large societal consequences of what we've done here. Uh, and we're pledging reform in the future. They said in the future, we're going to check each company before we hack it to make sure we know what we're hacking. And we're going to make sure that, uh, you know, we sort of change our ways here. That's not what you expect to see at all from a hacking group, right? I mean, uh, you know, these are supposed to be vicious criminals, uh, and yet these guys are posting these statements that seem like they have a conscience, or they want us to think that they have a conscience. It's hard to decipher all of this. Anyway, at the White House yesterday, uh, officials pledged to step up their efforts to stamp out this kind of ransomware, uh, and officials said that they're going to bring this up in high-level negotiations. We even heard from the president on this, who said he's going to have to talk directly with Vladimir Putin about it. Take a listen. I'm going to be meeting with President Putin, and uh, so far there is no evidence based on from our intelligence people that Russia is involved, although there is evidence that the actors ransomware is in Russia. They have some responsibility to deal with this. So, Brian, the president there saying that there is evidence that the ransomware is in Russia. Uh, presumably, that means this group is in Russia, the group of dark side. They popped up out of basically nowhere. Researchers yesterday telling me they first spotted them in August of 2020, and they were immediately very robust and very active, very professionalized group of hackers. And what may be happening here that would explain that weird note yesterday is that this is ransomware as a service, right? So one hacking group develops the malware malware itself actually writes the code and sends it to other hacking groups, other criminal gangs, which actually conduct the attacks. There may be a dispute here now between the group that developed this code and the group that carried out this attack over whether this was the appropriate target or not, because it's generating so much heat now. You've got the president of the United States actually talking about it. That's bad for business if you're a hacker. So there may be a a fight within the hacking group itself about what was the right thing to do here and how this is all going to play out. Well, You know, Eamon, it's, it's, I think, and I don't want to generalize, there seems to be a trend to sort of minimize the, the importance of cyber attacks. Well, it's just computer stuff, and it's bits and bytes and stuff over the Internet, and somebody paid a little money, and that's fine. This is a totally different situation. The Colonial Pipeline, as we'll talk about with our next guest in a few minutes, is the most important energy artery in the United States. 50 million people rely on it. For gasoline, fuel, maybe things like heating oil, it's still not that warm right now. I wonder if the hackers, based on this pseudo-weird semi-apology, realized what they have done, right? In a way, kind of like a war games, the movie 
type situation. You don't really kind of realize what you're messing with until you, this is not some small pipeline that they took out so they get a little money. This is 50 million Americans and the most important artery in America. Yeah. Well, look, there are two things going on here that are not consistent, right? The first is Darkside itself has a reputation for doing incredible due diligence and really knowing exactly who they're hitting, right? They, they know who the decision makers are inside the company before they hit it. They know what the uh, annual revenues of the company are, so they know how much ransom to demand. They know just about everything about these companies because they've ex exfiltrated the data from their servers. Uh, they have a reputation for knowing exactly what they're doing. Uh, and yet at the same time, you have this situation where they appear to be sort of regretful about hitting this particular target. When you talk about hitting a gas pipeline like this, you're talking about something of geostrategic importance, right? This is not just uh, a bunch of muggers hitting a bank, right, just trying to make some profit. This is a, a pipeline that is a lifeline to the economy in the United States as you look at it yeah. there. Uh, this is something that would be, you know, almost a quasi-military type target. So you've got a different motivation yep. potentially in the in the head of the hacker here. Uh, but if you look at their statement, they were adamant in their statement saying, we are not political. We're only in this for money. We don't have any political yeah. agenda. Don't link us to any too national government. Now, maybe they protest too much, right? Maybe that's exactly what's going on here. Well, yeah, and they're I, that, simply that's, protesting too much. I, and they want us to not think that. We just I, don't know. I think that's what they're doing. Oh, whoa. I think someone finally said, hey, guys, you realize what you just did? You knocked out fuel supplies to 50 million people, including, by the way, probably some military bases. Because the last time I checked, Air Force right. planes rely on jet fuel just as well. It, I found it very interesting and telling that they kind of walked it back. Whoa, we're not political, right? Because let's be clear, right. to your point, Eamon, if, if some other hacker took out a pipeline that supplied 250 million people in China with fuel. The Chinese government might view that as political. That's one-sixth of their population. That's exactly what happened here. This was, in many ways, inadvertently whatever, a political attack. Yes. Yes, absolutely. It's a political type target. It's a strategic target, not a bank that you're hitting up for just the cash, right? I talked to a digital anthropologist about this yesterday who had an important point to make. And she said, look, this was a show of force, right? You can read the statements, whatever you want. That's static coming from the hackers. What has happened here is some Russian speaking people have shown the U.S. government that they can hit these kinds of targets and turn them off. Right. And I think you have to put this in the in the context of the U.S. increasing yeah. pressure on Russia, increasing sanctions on Russia. Uh, what the digital anthropologist told me yesterday is the message here is we can do this. And we just did. Yes. And I want and we got to go, Eamon. But I want to be clear, too. Let's not forget that the U.S. administration, particularly the Trump administration, had applied a lot of political pressure on, you guessed it, Russia over their Nord Stream 2 pipeline which is being constructed, which will connect to Germany and basically give them control over natural gas flows for the next 50 years on continental Europe. There are other angles here. Eamon Javers, thank you for joining us, buddy. Really amazing story. All right, let's continue this conversation and bring in Amy Myers Jaffe, research professor at the Fletcher Institute at Tufts University and author of the book, Digital Energies or Energy's Digital Future. A Amy, thank you very much for joining us. I hope we're not making too much of it, but I think you more than anybody probably got my point. There are hundreds of pipelines some hacker group could have targeted, right? A little pipeline that runs from Nebraska to Illinois. It's bad for them, but it's not a national scale. They went after 
not only the biggest, not only the most important, but the most important by a, a magnitude, correct, in the United States. Oh, oh this not, is no question. This is the jugular of the U.S. fuel system. We have a lot of vital activities that rely on this pipeline uh, for day-to-day activity. You mentioned, you know, Virginia is home to uh, military bases. So this this is a major attack. And I'm, you know, it's, it's a ridiculous idea to think that there's some hacker out there that accidentally tried to take down the entire U.S. fuel system. So we need to approach this. Uh, it's a wake-up call. I tell people this is a Sputnik moment. We need to understand what needs to be done in this country. The budgets that we have allocated towards cybersecurity are minuscule compared to the challenge. The oil industry was yep. asleep at the wheel. When you say Sputnik moment, obviously we know what you're referring to, right? The realization that Russia came out of nowhere and was ahead of this in the space race, and we need to get our you-know-what. <laughs> it's too early for the word. We need to get our you-know-what together. Do you think, you heard my point to Amy, do you think some of this might have had to do with the intense amount of political pressure that we have put on Russia and Germany over their Nord Stream 2 planned pipeline, which will basically permanently link through a gas umbilical cord, for lack of a better term, Russia and Germany. You're shaking your head. Listen, let's remember, it wasn't so long ago, 2019, when the Russians themselves had a major pipeline artery, the Druzba pipeline, uh, also had criminal gangs, supposedly criminal gangs, uh, put a, a, a dangerous chemical um, into their pipeline and caused a major disruption to Europe and billions of dollars lost to the Russians. So the Russians have the same interests as we do in, in stepping away from allowing things to happen that can affect not only our security, but their security. This is a major, major yeah. event. And it needs to be treated as a major yeah, you, event you, and, in the United States. It, it is. It, it, and, and that's what we were talking about, Amy, as far as the hackers can come out and say, whoa, we're not political. But the reality is I, either they didn't realize or they did realize and then didn't realize the extent of what they had done until after it was done. My point was there are hundreds of other pipelines they could have gone after to shake out some pipeline company for a little bit of cash that we wouldn't be talking about. And that's the difference. They went after the colonial. Do you think they just got it wrong or they knew exactly the level of target they were going after? You know, it's hard for me to believe that a hacking group could be so ill-informed. I mean, this is the only pipeline in the United States that anybody's ever heard of. So, you know, the way I look at it is even this storyline about ransomware. I mean, this is a vital piece of infrastructure. You can't pay ransom to someone and then they're going to give you your data back. Um, you know, every business system connected to this pipeline yeah. has to be restored. You're talking about a security breach here that's almost unimaginable for this piece of infrastructure, if the oil industry couldn't be careful with this one piece of infrastructure, 
You know, what does that say about what does that say about all the small pipelines? So we got to go, Amy, but I'll tell you what, between storms in Texas, ransomware in the colonial Keystone XL, the DAPL fight, Dakota Access and Michigan possibly shutting off a big pipeline tomorrow. America's energy infrastructure is looking pretty beaten up and battered on a variety of levels right now. Fair statement. Fair statement. Amy Myers Jaffe of Tufts, a real pleasure to get your insight. A huge and important story. Amy, have a great day. Thank you very much. Thank you. All right, you're welcome. Futures, they are in the red right now, down more than 100 points on the NASDAQ. Could be another day of selling. We're back very quickly right after this. Don't go anywhere. The selling that started yesterday could continue today. We are seeing NASDAQ futures down about 150 points right now. And those are live trades. Tesla down almost 4%. Moderna down 35 A lot of big tech stocks taking a hit yesterday. And that selling looks to continue today. All right, on deck. Your morning RBI is going big on new numbers on just how much money that American companies are making. The answer, a lot. We're back with your RBI and more right after this. Time now for your morning RBI, and today let's talk about how much money that American companies are making, because the short answer is, in a word, gobs. You may have noticed all those earnings we talk about on CNBC all the time, they seem to be coming in pretty good, but do you know just how good? Well, listen to these random but interesting stats from Refinitiv. With more than half of the biggest U.S. companies posting their earnings already as of this quarter, the earnings growth rate is 46.3%. That's the highest since the first quarter of 2010. 87% of companies have beaten the consensus forecast. That's the highest rate of beat ever on record going back to when they started tracking the data. Or put another way, analysts really missed the mark. And also, of those earnings beat, the average beat is 23% over what analysts expected. And that is also the second highest on record. It's 553 There's a lot of numbers out there. Let me simplify it. Nearly every American company is beating earnings expectations and beating them by a lot. It is one reason. Stocks maybe have had a great recent run, but just remember, my friends, that as the numbers get bigger, the comparisons get more difficult, maybe a lot more difficult in the quarters ahead. Just stay focused. Random, but interesting. Let's get more perspective on this. And everything else, John Stolfus joining us, Chief Investment Strategist at Oppenheimer Asset. John, you know the numbers, but I suspect that the quote-unquote smart money was buying the market last August in anticipation of these numbers now. I think so, Brian. You know, when we look at the results when they came out, a lot of times you'd find these fabulous beats and the stocks moved lower after reporting. Uh, I don't know if it was, uh, you know, all the way back to last August, but it certainly has been. Uh, we have seen a, a significant capitulation this year by bears and skeptics who moved into the market. Plus, you've got a broadening appetite for equities uh, that, that has occurred, both growth and value as people move away from concentrations in tech. And on top of it, great expectations for Q1 earnings season after a, a very good Q4 uh, the news was sort of baked into the price. 
Okay, big tech got hit yesterday. We're seeing NASDAQ futures down again right now. John, I know one or two days does not a trend make, but it just feels like that tech has had a number of problems the last couple of weeks and months. It kind of goes down and comes back up and goes down a little more. Fear of capital gains rates increasing down the line as well. 22, 23 times earnings on the S&P when you include technology. Is technology, Apple, Amazon, whatever, is big tech's run finally done? I don't think so, Brian. I don't think we're going back to the Abacus or even to the slide rule. It's a world of chips. There's a shortage of chips. We're dealing with that right now. I mean, we aren't. Well, we're, as investors, we have to deal with it. But the tech companies are dealing with it. Probably just the way we got a warp speed vaccine, we'll get warp speed chips. You never know. In a highly technological and globalized world that's also regionalized, uh, with a lot of money available with interest rates low, this could likely be remedied, a lot of these supply chain problems. Uh, we do have to think, if you look at, at, at Bitcoin, is down, I think, 12% from its peak, uh, even though it's up earlier uh, this morning when I checked. Uh, but with the NASDAQ is down about 6% from its peak. Uh, mm-hmm. Based on the fact that the, the NASDAQ in the last 12 months uh, was, is, is up, uh, as of last night's close, 46.96%. Uh, we'd ha- that's total return, uh, price return, 45.79. You got to figure, you got to let it rest for a while. <laughs> a haircut is called but for. Ye- yesterday, John, yesterday, or I should say Friday, when we were rising, we were basically on your year-end price target for the S&P 500 to 4,300. Great call, by the way. You nailed it, but you nailed it in May. <laughs> yeah, uh, we, we, we put that uh, target in last December, and at that time it looked high. We were tied for uh, the second uh, second highest with another firm. Uh, our numbers just happened to match theirs. Uh, it, but what we look at right now is we think we're at, we're going to be in a, in a period where we'll likely get the, an opportunity for nervous investors, yeah. traders, take some profit without FOMO near term. Uh, but we think the trend remains the same. Secular trend is is technology is changing everything. Tech is yeah. parallel to where the auto was in the early 20th century. We don't see tech at a plateau. The problem is is demand seems to be yeah. outstripping uh, supply of chips. Great call, though, by the way. Hitting your target Thanks, in May. Brian. NASDAQ down 171. John Stolfachon, thank you very much. That's it for us, folks. We'll see you tomorrow on Worldwide Exchange. Squawk and the gang. Pick it up with a lot of red on your screen on a Tuesday. See you tomorrow. You've been listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. You can always catch us live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern only on CNBC. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.